This is the Beginner's Guide to Human Design. I'm your host, Madeline Evergreen. This podcast makes understanding your human design chart super simple and easy. Have you ever looked at your chart and seen all those shapes, lines, arrows, and numbers and gotten lost in the descriptions? Me too. After countless hours of practice and study, I'm here to break it down for you. Now let's get into today's episode. Today is a very epic day. It is a monumental day on the podcast because we're having our first guest. Samantha is joining me today and I am going to read her chart for all of you to listen to. So this would be very similar to what happens when I do a one-on-one reading with a client where I look at their chart, I prepare in advance, and then we go through some of the most important impactful parts of the chart and answer questions and talk through issues. And you get to be like a fly on the wall. You get to listen to the entire thing. And I can almost guarantee that something will apply to you, whether you have the same aspect of your chart as Samantha, or maybe you're the opposite and you learn something about yourself, or maybe even something about somebody else in your life. So stay tuned if you would love to hear what it's like to get a reading done and just to hear some of the information you've already learned on this podcast in a new context. And before we start in, let's do our review of of the week. This one is on Apple Podcasts and it says, great human design podcast to get started with. Five stars. I have just started really being interested in human design and I'm excited about using it to help me understand myself and those around me. This podcast is already helping me better understand the system as well as my own chart. I specifically benefited from listening to the episode on projectors as Madeline described how bitterness looks like in a real life situation and that resonated strongly with my own life. Wow. Thank you so much for that five-star review. I am so grateful for you. And if that was your review, you can send me a DM over on Instagram. Find me at healthy underscore Madeline or email me at hello at MadelineEvergreen.com. And we're switching gears a little bit with how this prize works. So almost everybody who wins the prize each week has been choosing for me to answer a personalized human design question of theirs. So we're going to just go with that. And if that was you, you just send me the question that you've got, a nice, deep, detailed question. Send me your chart information. I'll look it up. And then here's the best I've been going live on Instagram to answer these questions. So I take your question, I prepare, I do some studying, some research, and then I go live on Instagram and I do a little lesson. And these videos can be anywhere from like five minutes to even a half an hour long, depending on how in-depth your question is. But it's really an opportunity for you to get a huge download of information about something in your chart that's been confusing or missing or um, you just can't find information on. So anybody else who wants to win that incredible prize, all you need to do to enter the drawing is write a review just once on Apple Podcasts and then you're entered into the drawing forever. Each week I select one of the reviews at random, I read it, and then you win. Now, let's jump right into this amazing conversation with Samantha. Well, hello, Samantha. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be doing this today. I don't know if you know, but you are actually the first guest on this podcast. And for everybody listening, what we're going to do today is a reading. So I'll be reading your chart, Samantha. And you get to pipe in and ask questions and comment as much as you possibly want. So definitely let me know if things sound like they're resonating for you or even better, tell me if it sounds like something doesn't resonate and it doesn't sound true to you. Okay? Okay. I can do that. Yes. And before we start in, I would love if you just introduced yourself to all of the listeners here. You are new for all of us. And I know that you have your own podcast and you have an amazing Instagram. So just tell us a little bit about yourself before we start in. 
Yes. Yeah, so first of all, it's an honor being your very first guest. That's awesome. So my name is Samantha and I have, oh my gosh, there's like so many different parts of my story. I was going to say like, I've been around for a while, um, but I have been around in the sense of trying so many different new things and trying um, out a lot of different creative spaces, which is what I love. I started out in the health and wellness industry as well as the corporate world. And I was doing both at the same time and really found a passion for helping others in their health and wellness. And through that, I've really felt like there is a missing piece between the nutrition and fitness. And that was mindset, but in the sense of what I refer to on one of my podcast episodes as wholeness, like instead of wellness, wholeness, just feeling really whole and complete. And I think that human design fits right into that because there's so many different areas of our lives and beings, you know, that complete us. And so I transitioned more recently into really embracing that through journaling. And so that started for me, my journaling practice about two and a half, almost three years ago now, when I had just had my son. And if you're a mom, like the first couple months are just so insane. So you can relate. And um, I just sat on my bed one night and just like vented in my journal and just like spewed out everything. And it just felt so healing because I've had a journal before, but it was just affirmations. And this was just like honoring how I felt and decisions that I wanted to make. And like, it felt like I was allowing myself to feel what I actually felt rather than stuffing things, all the emotions under the rug. And that just felt so good that that is what I inspire people now to do through my podcast and working one-on-one and some other resources is just using journaling to honor where you're at, to understand how you feel and how you want to feel, how to create connections that you crave in your relationships and really grow from there from a standpoint of wholeness. And so that's a little bit about me in a nutshell, but I'm really excited to expand my knowledge in human design. And on the podcast that Madeline was on for me, our episode, I thought I knew human design, you guys, and I and I do not. So <laughs> this is definitely a learning session for me. Amazing. Oh my gosh. So fun. So I will definitely be linking to your podcast and your Instagram and everything. So if people can just look in the show notes to find you um, for sure. So I'm curious if there is anything specific that you are hoping to learn about your chart today or anything you really want to cover. So I know already that I'm a projector. Um, That's like the first thing, obviously, that we all kind of learn is our type. Um, And for me, I, I know that a lot of people are projectors, but I was conditioned to work and to like put in the hustle and a big thing that I've resonated with with projecting is rest. And that's something that I've journaled through and really respond well to. And so I guess understanding if there's any part of my chart or um, yeah, I guess any part of my chart that that helps me to either further embrace the rest or find the balance between hustle and rest, if that makes sense. Totally. So you're right. As a projector, you are somebody who needs a lot of rest, but sometimes that gets misinterpreted as um, people thinking that they can only like work a little bit and, um, you know, they think that the generators can work like a full schedule and the projectors can only work a little bit. Not picking up that that's exactly what you're saying, but just for anybody listening, that's a big misconception. And projectors can actually work a lot. And in my opinion, projectors make like the best business owners and CEOs and heads of 
organizations and programs. And so those kind of people obviously do work um, and they're not just, you know, resting all the time or having to take naps, you know, every couple hours. When you think about the word work in relationship to being a projector, a projector can only do a, a short amount of time of what feels really effortful and outputting for them. So that's different for every single person. For example, my mother is a projector and she can do things like physical labor or exercise or like cleaning or movement or gardening for like 12 hours straight. Like I've seen her spend literally a full day weeding and doing like heavy duty manual labor outdoors and it's not tiring one bit. But for a different type of projector, that sort of quote unquote work would be over the top and maybe they could do 20 minutes or an hour of that a day or less. Now for her though, when she sees clients, she can only see a, a, a select few amount of clients a week or she teaches classes. She does a lot of like teaching types of things. She cannot feel good teaching 12 hours a day. So for her, that level of work, when it like the work that it's put into seeing a client or teaching a class needs to be limited for her. But something like working on manual labor for her, she could do that for like an unlimited amount of time. So that's just an example of how you have to kind of figure out for you as a projector, what feels like outputting energy outputs type of work to you and then craft your life in a way where whatever that is, you're doing a select limited amount of time doing that each day or each week or each month or however you want to set it up. But then the rest of your time can still be productive and still look like working. It just doesn't look like, uh, like you're hustling 24 seven. So a projector might spend, you know, a select amount of time doing something that feels really effortful and outputting and really maybe energetic for them. But then the rest of the time, maybe they are still actually working, but it could be on something like research or preparation or studying or working on themselves. I mean, even the journaling would be considered work. So for some, per some people, journaling might feel like I can only do five minutes of that and then I get exhausted. Other people could do unlimited amounts of journaling. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to the resting, yes, a projector does need to have resting, but I like to look at it more like a projector needs to spend most of their hours doing introspective type of work, like things that are building for their life or for their future or for their themselves, for their health or their family or their job, whatever it is, but it's not going to be go, go, go hustle grinding. And one of the reasons why a projector is built this way is because you can get more done in less time than everybody else. So like you don't need to spend 12 hours working on something like a generator might, but you could do that amount of work in probably one hour. You can like focus and you are built to have this incredible bird's eye view perspective on things where you see things in a different way. So you can see how something can be done better. And when you apply that advice to yourself, you are more efficient and more effective. So like I have a different friend who's also a projector and she feels like she can go to work for like an hour and get her whole day of work done in the office really quick. And then the rest of the day, she's doing things for herself that actually do amount to, you know, enhancing her career and her, her, her whole life. But she doesn't need to sit in an office at a computer for eight hours like somebody else might need to, to get that work done. So does any of that resonate with you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially the last thing you said about just being efficient. I sometimes find myself procrastinating. That's something that I've been like working through because I can procrastinate, but when I really need to get something done, I can definitely sit there and get it done. And I'm like, why did I wait so long to do this? But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely good at that. And I've always been viewed as like the leader of a group, 
not necessarily because I am outspoken, but I think because of that bird's eye view, because I can see like how we can all work together and see the vision and things like that. So that makes sense. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So are you familiar with your strategy of being invited? Uh, Just the very basics. Okay. So for all projectors, you have a strategy and it's just called waiting for the invitation or being invited. And we all have a different strategy depending on our energy type. And your strategy is just simply like energetically, how do you participate with other human beings or with the universe even. So it's more to do with the energetics of your relationship with everything else. This isn't just, um, this isn't like your whole personality. Okay. That comes at a different part of your chart. So waiting for the invitation applies to projectors because you do have a lot of wisdom to share and you see things in such a unique perspective and you see how everything could be improved. Like your lens, when you look at the world is often like, oh, that's nice, but I can see if it was like this, that would work better. So it's easy for a projector to have temptation to give a lot of advice or unsolicited advice or to kind of meddle in people's lives a lot, just because you actually do know what people could do to improve. But we've all experienced what it's like to receive unsolicited advice and how unpleasant that is. So when that starts happening, like if you catch yourself getting a little out of control with telling people or situations how to, how to improve without them asking, that's going to make you feel quite out of alignment and you're going to start feeling kind of bitter or resentful towards those people because they're not receiving what you're saying well. So to avoid that from happening, your strategy is waiting for the invitation. And this means two different things. One, you're literally waiting for somebody to ask you a a phrase like, can you give me some advice on this? Or I'd like your perspective. Could you tell me what you think about that? Like you literally have to wait for people to say those sorts of questions to you before you can give your projector point of view. But that's not it. Even if somebody asks you that type of question, you need to also have number two, the second part, you have to have a sense that they actually trust you and want the information from you. And then they're not just asking to make conversation or to be polite or for some ulterior motive. You know how Mm -hmm. that can happen. So if you trust that they actually do take you serious and they are literally asking, then you can be your full projector self and say, you know, whatever wisdom you have to say for a person. And it works really well for projectors to be in a leadership role because you're sort of the default person for giving direction. If you're the leader or if someone were to hire you as their coach, it's sort of implied that you're going to be giving someone direction. And so that can also be a sort of a method of waiting for the invitation. Like if you're already in a role of leadership, however, you do still have to be careful because you'll always feel like there's so much more to lay on somebody than they can take. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I still feel that. So I still have um, dynamics within different people and scenarios in my life where I sometimes feel like I either have overstepped or like I want to overstep, but I'm like holding myself back. Mm -hmm. So that, but it's interesting because I've always viewed myself as a quiet person. And like when I was younger, like more shy. So I always was like, I wonder why I feel that way at the same time, like wanting to speak out, but also being a hermit at the same time. So yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so funny. You just said hermit because that exact word is going to come up a little bit later. <laughs> so there's an answer Perfect. to what you just said there. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And projectors, again, can have 
any personality. So I know quiet projectors, shy ones, loud ones, you know, I know ones that are like really full of anxiety and nervousness. And I know ones that are really like bold and in your face. So your personality can be any personality, but just the energy of things is that you are a non-energy being, which is not a bad thing. A lot of these words in human design sound kind of bad, but they're not. It just means that you're not here to create energy for the world. The generators and the manifesting generators are going to be doing that role. You're here to provide wisdom and feedback so that us humans can continue to improve and evolve. So when the projectors were first born, I'm terrible with numbers, but this was in the 1600s. Don't quote me on that. But there was a date when the projectors first came into the planet. So we weren't all here all at the same time. We started with only reflectors and then things have evolved and grown. So when the projectors came in, that's when humanity shifted into an era of growing and building and creating more cities and structures and businesses and all kinds of things that we didn't used to have. And so you can imagine before projectors were around, it was way more of just like survival mode. Like how do we create? How do we get food? How do we just get by as humans? The projectors came in when we were like, all right, we can survive. Now let's improve. Like let's up level as humans and start to build ourselves up. So the projectors are really good at saying like, oh, well, we see we've got these tools, so let's use those to make this. And I'm going to give you pointers on how to do that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's your real role here. But again, you'll always feel like you have to kind of hold back with saying too much because other people can't handle as much as what is in your mind. So in order to help yourself with that, because I don't know how you're feeling, but I've talked to a lot of projectors who feel overly burdened all the time with so many thoughts that they wish that they could say. Do you ever feel like that? Over a lot of thoughts of my own. Um, Not necessarily thoughts that I wish I could say to somebody else. Okay, good. Then you're probably already quite in alignment if that's not already an issue. But if you ever find yourself feeling bitter or resentful towards somebody, it's a sign that either one, you need to like remove that person from your life and have them go away now. But typically that's actually not going to be the answer. So if that's not it, then two, you have to hold a strong perspective about them that's reminding you why you chose to have them in your life and why you're actually grateful to have them there, even though they're not ready to hear everything that you want to say. So this is something oftentimes I talk through with projectors who have kids, especially like teenage or young adult kids who are making quote unquote bad choices or risky decisions, or they're kind of stressing their parents out, but the parent can't just control them anymore. They're not a toddler anymore. You can't make them do something. So the parent either needs to say, okay, you're out of my life and it's over now, which typically that's not what they're going to do. So then the parent would need to hold on in the front of their mind, why they love their child, why they're grateful to have them in their life and focus on that instead of having the focus on if they would just do this, then they would improve. Mm. Okay. So that's going to be like your biggest tool for avoiding the bitterness and staying in alignment. And when you feel this kind of sensation of um, like calming lightness and success, that's a sign that you're in alignment. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. Any questions about that concept of being invited? No, no questions. Definitely feels like I'm in alignment with that though. It feels right. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay. So I would love to go over your life theme. Have you ever looked at your life theme before? No. No. Okay. There are 192 different life themes in human design. (laughs) 
So it's uncommon that you find another person with the same one. They're out there. You know, Mm -hmm. 192 is not that big of a number, but it's not like being a projector where you find other projectors all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit rare. So your life theme is like an energy that you carry in this life at every single moment. It's not just about your work or your relationships. It's literally every moment of your whole life this is what you're meant to bring to the table. Okay. Okay. So yours is to effortlessly handle whatever life throws at you and to help others handle whatever life throws at them. I'm going to say that one more time to effortlessly handle whatever life throws at you and to help others handle whatever life throws at them. So before I tell you much more about what that means, I'm just curious, what do you think about that? I feel like all warm and fuzzy inside because I feel like I do that. I do those things. Um, One of my private clients literally told me last week that she was referring to me in one of her conversations with a friend And she, cause she had asked about me and she said that I'm the type of person that is resilient and where I get knocked down, but I like get up with grace and I just keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so I have had lots of things in my life, like divorce after that baby, which journaling helped me through and just lots of things, binge eating disorder, where I was able to, I think mostly gracefully work through that, but I think the work that I've most recently evolved into is helping others gracefully do that too. And I try and do it by guiding them through journaling so that they can find their own instead of preaching and teaching, which which was my old style. So I feel like the way that you said that is like what I currently is like is my current goal, which I which I'm trying to pursue. So it feels good. Cool. Yeah. I love it when it resonates with people and it almost always does. So that's really cool that you already feel like you're doing that in your life. Mm -hmm. So the life theme is made up of your four most important gates. And if you're not sure what a gate is, it really doesn't actually matter to know that, but they're those little teeny tiny numbers that are all over the chart and everybody has a bunch of them. You you do have more than four of those, but there's four that will just simplify it by saying they're the most important. And gates are like gifts that you were born with that you're meant to use in this lifetime. So your life theme is kind of like a combination or a summary of your four most potent gifts. Okay. Okay. So let's go through those four. The first one is called gate 27 and it's called a natural ability to nurture and care. So you're just somebody who naturally knows how to nurture depending on what that person or animal or thing or business needs, whatever needs nurturing, you can tap into what does it need and how can I nurture and care for it? That Mm -hmm. really, to me, seems like you. So does does that feel like you? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I feel like you just like have that essence without me even knowing you very well. (laughs) You seem like you're like oozing gate 27. (laughs) So that's a good sign that you're kind of in alignment here. Mm -hmm. But something really interesting about this gate is that since you're a projector, that means that your sacral center is undefined. So the sacral center is that large square that's the second bottom from the um, second from the bottom. And if that if that doesn't make sense, it's okay. But because that is undefined, this gate twenty seven actually comes from the sacral center, and you can easily burn yourself out by over caring and over nurturing. Mm-hmm. If your sacral center was defined, like if you were, that would mean that you would be a generator or a manifesting generator, then you would just keep getting more and more and more and more energized every time you nurture and care for something. But for mm-hmm. you as a projector, you can only do a little bit of that. 
and it will come out, the nurturing and the caring will come out the best and with the least amount of burnout when you've been invited to do it. Hmm. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, I've definitely experienced the burnout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that waiting for the invitation really applies to this big gift of yours. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes when people have any of these gates or gifts, I'm just going to say gates and gifts are interchangeable. It can be very easy to get addicted to the feeling of them. And so this may or may not happen for you, but it would be easy for you to get addicted to the feeling of caring for other people. So if you ever notice yourself getting codependent behavior where you only really feel valuable if you're taking care of somebody or something, then that's just a sign that you're relying on that to give you validation. And just because you have the ability to nurture and care, it doesn't mean that you should do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. So then the next one is gate 28. And this one's very interesting. It comes from the splenic center, which is that big triangle over on the left. And it's called the fear of running out of time. So fear of running out of time. And anytime you hear the word fear in human design, it's actually not about fear. This is all about awareness. So fear in all of human design really is just a heightened sense of awareness. Or it's a signal from your body that you are having some sort of sixth sense awareness around something that you're not listening to. And so it's going to come out as a fear until you pay attention and get the message. Mm. So with this gate being called a fear of running out of time, it's actually more about having awareness of how much time something takes. So you have like this, almost like this psychic ability to know the right timing to do things or know when to do something or how long it's going to take or when to wait. Anything to do with like clocks, timing, scheduling, you have a really good sense of when it's time. Hmm. Does that sound like you? I've never thought about it, but now that you say that, I do feel like I have a good judgment of that. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then with this one, how it can kind of go wrong or go backwards is being someone who's always in a hurry, always in a rush, or even being someone who is afraid of dying. So sometimes that fear of death can riddle somebody with this gate because you understand the concept of like we're only here as humans for a limited amount of time you understand that at a level that other people can't ever wrap their mind around mm -hmm. so when you really get that that like your life is limited time wise if you're out of alignment you can end up being absolutely terrified of your life ending or of a you know, season of your life coming to an end. It can be anything to do with like timing can freak people out if they're sort of out of alignment with this awareness around timing. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I wouldn't say that is true, but I definitely feel like I'm always in a rush and I'm always needing to like do something by a certain time and I create these deadlines for myself that don't really need to be there. So yeah. Yeah. So those are signs actually that you're not tuning in to just allowing yourself to have the awareness. And it really is like a sixth sense, like completely non-explainable, non-justifiable awareness about all timing. And with the more that you trust that like you have an inner clock that knows then the less you're going to feel like you need to rush. Hmm. So that okay. this is a really strange topic that oftentimes doesn't really land until you go into your life and you just kind of ponder it and mm -hmm. observe yourself 
So I just invite you as you, you know, when we leave, spend like a week or even a month just noticing like, am I rushing? Why am I rushing? Is there something like underneath that? And then maybe do journaling about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then the next one, your third gate is called sensing people's needs which goes really well with gate 27, the first one, a natural ability to nurture and care. So with gate 19, sensing people's needs, like you just can sense when you're not even talking to somebody or having an interaction, just being near somebody, you can already start to sense and pick up on what their needs are. So that's pretty simple, pretty easy to understand, but this can easily flip into codependency sort of like what we talked about with the nurturing and the caring, it can easily flip into feeling like you, you must satisfy people's needs mm. mm -hmm. and you don't. So this gate is not about fixing people. It's about you sense and pick up on what it is that they need. And then that's it. Mm -hmm. okay? okay. Yeah. And then the last one, gate 33 is called, processing the information that we've learned. So this means that you're really good at processing what we all have learned as a collective or as a tribe or as humanity. And this goes amazingly with being a projector. Um, any of the energy types could have this gate, but it goes so well with being a projector because you know that you're really here to help us all grow and improve. And then by having gate 33, you've got like this extra ability to process what has happened and what's the lesson from that. And something that's helpful to keep in mind is that you do need alone time to process it or quiet time. So it will be difficult for you to tap into like our collective lessons if you're always busy or always learning or working or thinking or listening to things. It's in the quiet and the contemplation that downloads can drop in and give you information about like, what's the lesson here? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when we put all those four gates together, it kind of sums up to this. Whenever you're feeling unafraid and very, very comfortable being in the unknown, that's a sign that you're in alignment. So being fully unafraid and comfortable in the unknown, that's like your best place to be to feel in alignment. And then that makes you very magnetic. So that makes it so everything that you've been calling in, anything that you're manifesting, or even whatever's just truly meant for you, for your highest good, will start to like fly your direction and just like get suctioned <laughs> to you like a magnet when you're sitting in that like comfortable, unafraid space, even if you're in the unknown times. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then this, all of these gates also kind of summarize that you're a very, very capable person. And the more that you keep showing up, that's going to help to prove to yourself how wise you really are. So by doing these things that you do, like having your podcast and showing up in any way that you know is going to be authentic and real for you, whether you feel afraid about it or not, just the showing up piece is the part that you're going to need to give yourself the like knowledge and confidence and confirmation that you really are like a valid human being and you're wise and like you're here for a reason mm -hmm. and it's it's the times when you might be feeling like you're having fear or you want to hide from the world that's going to be where you sort of shut off your connection to your higher self and have trouble um you'll have trouble kind of pulling yourself out of that mm -hmm. so the key for you is to just like keep showing up I do feel like I do a good job at showing up, but I definitely have felt that fear of the unknown, like, because I've always tried to control what happens next and control my life and like, which obviously we can't do, but yeah, having that fear of like, 
I don't know what's going to happen next or where this is going to lead. So I feel that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So any other thoughts about your life theme? No, very accurate though. And great tips to get more in alignment. Cool. Good. So let's talk about your profile next. You are a 6'2", and this is like your personality type. So this is the part of human design that most people feel like is really fun, especially if you ever meet somebody else with the same profile. You'll probably feel like you have a lot in common with them, and you guys just like easily get along. So are you already familiar with your profile, or is this new for you? Um, A little bit familiar, yeah. Okay. So let me know if I'm giving too much information or um, we'll just jump into it. So okay. the, the six is the first half of your profile and that's the conscious side of you. So that's the part that you really see. And then the two is the unconscious side of you that you'll have a little bit more trouble connecting to for the most part, but everybody else sees you as a two. So it's like how you see yourself versus how others see you. And they're both totally you. It's just like, which perspective are you able to see it from? Mm. So the six is called the role model. And I know earlier you were saying something about that. You're oftentimes in like a role model position or you're in leadership a lot. And it's not because you're really loud or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, and it could be because you're a projector or it could be because you've got this six. And the six is one of the most interesting parts of human design, in my opinion, because the six goes through a huge transformation. And typically for a six, you act like a three for the first 30 years of your life. Hmm. And then around the age of 30, you go through a huge transition and start acting like a six. So for those first 30 years, as you are a six, but you're acting like a three. A three is somebody who's very experimental and needs to learn from trial and error. So you need to do things in order to know what you believe in or what's right and wrong. And it doesn't work for you to just learn from instructions or a book or a class or because somebody told you to do something. Maybe you can follow people's advice. Maybe you can't. Everybody's really different with that, but you're not going to ever feel like you actually learned something if you just follow what someone told you. So a six really does experience all kinds of different things their first 30-ish years, and they're taking all of that in as information and a learning experience. Then you go through something called your Saturn return, And have you ever heard of that? No. Okay. So you can always go and look up when exactly your Saturn return was, and you can just Google something like Saturn return calculator, and you put in your birth information and it will give you the exact dates. But it's about three years towards the end of your 20s. And everyone has a Saturn return, but it's especially important for the six because during those three years, you'll usually go through some turmoil or a lot of transformation or just a lot of experiences that push you to grow. It's not like an omen of bad times, but a lot of people do have hard times during that. So I have a six in my profile, and of course, I had a Saturn return. And during those three years for me, I had multiple car accidents. I had multiple floods in my home, and I got married. So like those are some good things. Those are some bad things. But it was a lot of like very trying things that pushed me into a whole new like up-leveling. Mm-hmm. And that's when you transition as a six from having to experiment a lot into now you're just wise. So once you move through your Saturn return and you start to enter your 30s, you become very clear on what's right and what's wrong for you. And you have a lot of wisdom and you don't have to try so many things and out anymore. Mm. So does that piece resonate before I go on? Yeah, I feel like... um... I definitely followed the rules growing up, but 
in terms of what I actually remembered and learned, it was definitely ex- from experiences. So that makes sense. And I do feel like there was definitely a shift, uh, which was probably around like the age of 30. So I'm going to do that calculator after we chat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, where I, where now I just feel so clear and sure and like, know what I want. And like when something comes to me, I'm like, I don't need to test it out. Or if I do test it out, I quickly know like, yes or no, if I want to pursue it. So yeah, that mm-hmm. feels right. Yeah. And I like what you said about that you followed the rules growing up. So when you think back to what that felt like for you, whatever that means, did that feel like that was really right for you? Or did you did you learn anything from having behavior where you follow the rules? Um, did I learn anything from the behavior of following the rules? Mm-hmm. I learned that I thought that that by following the rules, that was how you got to the next level mm-hmm. of school or the job or something like that. And is that how you get to the next level? Or is that um, just what you thought it takes to get to the next level? That's what I thought it took. Yeah. And it, and it worked for me until I was, um, probably 28 is when I quit my full-time job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wonder if that's my Saturn return date, uh, quit my full-time job and started to pursue my own, uh, entrepreneurial side. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I like to bring that up because not like sometimes people think that the six is a rebel for the first 30 years of their life. And that's, I don't think that's what you're thinking, but for anyone who's listening, sometimes they think, Oh, experimental. So like you break all the rules and, you know, maybe, but also a lot of sixes follow all the rules or they're really, you know, well-behaved and they, they try and be a really good person and, you know, listen to their teachers or their parents or whoever's in charge. And, for a six, that's the lesson. Like, it doesn't matter if you actually experimented or not. It's that you, that was your experiment. So that's what you tried. And then you learned what you learned from that. So you either learned that that works for you or that it doesn't, or obviously it's more complicated than that. But Mm -hmm. that's your lesson is that that was your experience following the rules or whatever it was that you did experience. And then you became wise because you experienced that behavior. Does that Mm. make sense? Yeah. And sometimes this gets to be like, it goes over people's heads because it feels like, well, duh, like I learned because that was my behavior. That's how everybody is. But if you're not a six or a three, that isn't actually how you learn. So even though everyone has experiences, like every if you're living, you're having an experience, but somebody like a one, that's not how they learn. They learn from studying. Mm-hmm. So they're not really going to learn because they had an experience. They're going to learn because they prepared and studied and got out information and had preparation time. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, their experience didn't really impact them like it did for you. So gotcha. sometimes it doesn't, um, it feels so obvious when it's your own number until you realize, oh, not everybody is that way. Right. Yeah. I did have a lot of different experiences growing up and those were definitely more impactful for me than studying, <laughs> even though I did that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's really fascinating about the six is that from around the age of 30 to around the age of 60, you, your life is all about applying what you learned to yourself. So now you're wise, you're going to start living based off of your wisdom. And then you go through another Saturn return in your 50s. So it's a great idea for you to look up when that's going to be just to give yourself a heads up that that's another time of like major growth. Mm-hmm. And then after that second Saturn return, you are like the wise woman. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like the wise woman of the tribe now, like the uh-huh. ultimate wisdom person. And what that means is that it's not like you already know how to apply the wisdom to yourself now. Now it's about helping other people 
receive wisdom that you know. So you're Mm. spreading your knowledge more towards age 60 until you die. Okay. Okay. And not that you can't do it now. It's just that it will take about 30 years for all of that information to really settle into your own behavior. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it definitely feels like right now is that like a self, not a selfish time because I don't think it's truly selfish, but you know, like I'm just feeling like I'm absorbing everything right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then the two. So this is the more unconscious side of you, but it's the side that everybody else sees you as a two. And you said the word hermit before. The two mm-hmm. is called the hermit. But again, sometimes people think that that's a bad thing and it's not. It's just the word that they picked. The hermit or the two is somebody who absolutely needs to have alone time. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you have to have all the alone time. It's just that when you need alone time, it's actually critical for your well-being. And then you're also very naturally gifted and talented. So you're going to just have skills or talents or abilities that for some reason you can just do well at those things and you didn't have to try nearly as hard as other people had to try. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you're really good at everything, but can you think of like even one thing that you are just like, I don't know, I can just do that. <laughs> um. I mean, I think just thinking back at school, I feel like I didn't try too hard in school and I did pretty good for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of a skill though, or a talent. Mm-hmm. Well, and since this is your second number, I just want to say every time I do a reading and someone has the two as the second number, they always have a response like you where they're like, um, and then they kind of can think of something and then it's like, oh, I'm not really sure. Let me think some more. And this is because it's the unconscious side of you. So you don't realize how much you're naturally skilled at things as much as other people see it in you. Like, I don't even know you. And I feel like I can tell you're like really good at, like, it's really easy to talk with you. You're really good at conversation. You seem really good at having your podcast. But again, I don't know if you've put in like, you know, extreme effort to become good at those things. Maybe you have, maybe you just kind of did it and it all worked out. But if the two was your first number, everybody that's, that's that way, like maybe if you were a two, four or something like that, those people are always like, oh yeah, I'm so good at dancing. I've never even been to a dance class. And I, uh, you know, I'm really good at making new friends and like, they just start ripping off all these things they're really good at. So that's just the difference between the the first or the second. Or if your six was your second number, you would be like, wise. I'm not wise. Am I wise? Like it would be like, (laughs) you're kind of like almost unsure. Mm -hmm. So when it's your second number, sometimes it's helpful to just trust like, oh, cool. I guess I'm naturally talented at some things. And then again, just go out into your life and spend some time observing what that how that really shows up. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the most important thing, though, to remember is that the alone time piece, so the hermit piece, you must be giving yourself the alone time that you need because that's where your natural gifts and talents become developed. And it's not logical. It's not because you're spending your alone time practicing mm-hmm. or trying to become skilled. It's just that when you give yourself space and time alone, you come out of that able to have these gifts pulled out of you. Mm. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely like my alone time. I didn't realize that other people <laughs> knew that too. <laughs> yeah. And so how this can sometimes go odd is that and I don't know what other people think of you in your life, but oftentimes people think that someone with a two as their second number, they think that they never want to hang out or that they just want to be alone. Mm-hmm. Not always, because it really depends on your behavior and how you have handled your relationships. But if you ever experience like, why do people always think I just want to be alone? That's very common for someone with a two as the second number. Mm, and jealousy because a lot of people will see you and they'll think like why is she so good at these things and I try so hard and I can't do it like she can 
and she doesn't even try. So some people might look at you that way that are in your life and be having jealousy. So it can mm -hmm. just be helpful to be sensitive to that and know that that might be the way that people perceive you, but it also might not be. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So any questions about your profile, the six, two? No, that was fun though. <laughs> okay, good. So I would love to go over just one more section of your chart and we could, you have a choice. So we okay. can either go over your digestive type or we can talk about your manifestation abilities, like how you can manifest best. What is the digestion? Like what, what does that mean? That everybody has a specific type of digestion according to their chart. So it means a specific way that you're meant to be eating in order to oh. be most in alignment. Oh, um, let's do the manifesting one. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. So you are called an active specific manifester. And do you like try to manifest things or are you into manifestation? I am into it. Um, what happens a lot for me is I'll like think of something and then forget that I thought of it. And so I have to like keep trying to remember it. Okay. So being a specific manifester, there's, so remember there's two qualities you have, you're specific and you're active. So because you're specific, I'm not surprised by what you just said, where you think of something that you want to manifest or that you want whenever you have like a instinctual hit or just an idea drop in your mind where you're like, Ooh, I want that. That means that that thing, it really is for you. So you are built to know what you want and specific details about it. Mm -hmm. There are other people that are non-specific, like that's what I am. And I'm better at manifesting without thinking of any specific details at all. Like the more vague, the better. So like how I would manifest is like, I just want to have a really great life. And that's as detailed mm -hmm. as I'm going to get about pretty much anything. But for you, you are actually built knowing from inside what you want. So you don't need to wait to be shown what you want. Like, you know what you want. And so the universe is going to communicate very well with you and send you things quicker and easier and with less effort on your behalf when you declare what you want and as many yeah. details about that thing as would feel natural for you to think of. And I say it that way because it doesn't mean you have to come up with a hundred thousand details about something. You could, mm -hmm. if that's easy and it just flows right out of you, you can, but you can also think of one detail. So I have another client who is manifesting a home. She couldn't think of anything except for she knew she wanted a lot of light. And that's the only detail she could think of. And she got like the most amazing place with tons of light. So mm. it doesn't have to be like, you know, the doorknob colors and how many rooms. <laughs> and you could, Yeah, it's like whatever specifics you know you want, you would want to declare those things. And when I say declare, like decide it in your mind on purpose or write it down or say it out loud to somebody else. Okay. But like make it clear that you've decided you want that. Mm -hmm. Then the second aspect of manifestation is being either active or passive. So you are active. And that means that if you actively play with the idea of having whatever you want, it's going to come to you quicker and easier. It's going to be like magnetized to you. So this doesn't mean that you force the thing to happen or that you're meddling in how it's going to come to you. But active means like journal about what you want. Think about it. Visualize. Make a vision board. You know, if you want a house, go on a bunch of house tours for the activity of playing with houses like in your imagination and in your creativity, not because you're trying to force yourself to buy the right house right now. Mm -hmm. But this kind of play and creativity and like anything in your mind or in your journaling or in using your senses. So like looking at it, looking at pictures, looking at images, any of that is going to help attract that thing to you. 
And then sometimes it's helpful to understand the opposite. If you were passive, then it would be better for you to not do any of that and just put it out of your mind and don't think about it anymore. Like you're playing hard to get, and then it comes to you. (laughs) So don't do that for you. You want to let yourself play it with it in your imagination or with your senses as much as what feels fun and comfortable. Okay. Yeah. I definitely feel like I'm doing it passively now. So Okay. That's a good note. <laughs> yeah. And what's cool about your type, specific and active, is that most really popular manifestation advice applies to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of that type of advice. Yeah. So that's kind of easy. Um, when you're non-specific or passive or both, it's like almost all manifestation advice is not going to work for that kind of person. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Do you have any um, last questions or anything you'd like to ask before we finish up? Um, No questions. But yesterday when we recorded uh, for journal entries, you mentioned my authority, Mm -hmm. um, which I got the, the meaning wrong. And so I journaled on that today. And so my my authority was intuition instinctual intuition yeah it's the spleen yeah so the instincts yeah and so I thought that meant like waiting and letting the answer to come to me but then through journaling I was thinking more about what how you what you said it actually was and I was like that's true too like the gut instinct and the different times of my life where I actually did feel that I just was like waiting it out and pretend like, like I doubted it so much. So I was overthinking and whatnot. So a lot of what you said today and just through the journaling that I did before this, um, just gives me the confidence that I can like become more aligned with my design and that it'll all like flow easier and feel better. So it's been really fun. Oh, amazing. I love hearing that. Yeah. So you just have this ability to have like an instant answer, like an instant yes or no, or do it or don't do it. That's going to pop in your mind. And it's not something that can be justified or explained. And when Mm -hmm. you follow that, you're going to be, you're going to be going down the right track for sure. Yeah. I thought of moments and I was like, I, I felt it and I just didn't follow it. But thinking back, I'm like, if I followed it, I would have been right. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was really interesting. Yeah. I love that. Well, share with everybody where people can find you on socials or whatever contact you want to share. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. It's samantha.s.says for Samantha S. Says. Um, And then that's probably the easiest place. I have a bunch of resources and a website at the link in my bio there, but my website is samanthapenkoff.com. And so there you can find resources like how to start journaling, just like a free guide. I have a five-day journal experiment. So if you've never journaled and you just kind of want to get some prompts, see what it's like, see if you can feel a shift inside of you. I've got that for you. And then of course, I've mentioned a little bit private coaching, but lots of options on my website too. Amazing. Okay. So everybody go check out Samantha and go listen to her podcast and I'll have all of this linked below again. So no worries if you didn't write it down. So thank you again for joining me today and we will stay in touch. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I hope that you learned something not only about Samantha, but about yourself or maybe your friends or your family as well. Anybody who would have similar aspects of their chart. And I got to tell you one thing, the most incredible thing happened after this interview. Samantha sent me a voice message over on Instagram, like five minutes after we got done recording. And she told me that she looked up when exactly her Saturn return was. So remember, we were talking about the Saturn return when we discussed her profile, that she has a six in her profile. And remember how when a six goes through their Saturn return at the end of their 20s, that is when they become much more wise. And that's usually a period of time that has some turmoil or difficult experiences where you come out on the other side more wise. And oh my 
God. Guess what she said? Your mind is going to be blown. She told me that the exact date after her Saturn return ended was the exact day that she sat down and had that huge journaling dump. Remember, she was telling us about how there was this one day where she sat down and just like journaled her heart out and it changed the trajectory of her whole career and her life. That happened the day that her Saturn return ended. Oh my God. So amazing. Something else that's super interesting is that, um, my mom and I both have a six in our profile. I just feel like I have to tell you guys this because it's so interesting. And the day after her Saturn return ended, I was born. So I always like to think that I'm like the prize that she got at the end of her Saturn return, but I'm sure that's just my ego talking. But oftentimes a really huge, amazing thing can happen right after your Saturn return. So that's all. Um, Just a little side note there. I am going to put all of Samantha's information down in the show notes. And I'll also link down there the episode that I did on her podcast. You can find her podcast on Apple Podcasts and lots of other places. It's called Journal Entries. And I'm not sure exactly when the episode with me is coming out, but just go find her podcast, start listening, and you can hear me over there at some point. So thanks again for listening, everybody. And I will catch you all in a week. 